Welcome to the Tim Fowler Show, where production is paramount and we discuss the tools, time, and people associated with getting jobs done and making a profit. On today's episode of the Tim Fowler Show, we will be talking about women in leadership on site with the help of special guests. Deja Leger of Irons Brothers Construction in Shoreline, Washington. Alongside Tim Fowler, I'm your co-host, Steve Wheeler. Here is the Tim Fowler Show. Hi, everyone. I'm Tim Fowler, and welcome to the Tim Fowler Show. Keep the ideas coming in. We love to hear from people. Uh, Hopefully, we can uh, help everyone out there, but we don't know what you need unless you let us know. So let us know what's going on and how we can help. So... I've mentioned it several times to people that I'm on a constant mission to find guests for the show. So uh, what's good for me is that I get to stand up in front of a lot of people, many times production people, and talk about production, and I get to meet them afterwards and find out what's going on. A few then volunteer, others get drafted. (laughs) And so uh, I was in Portland, Oregon for the JLC live show. Uh, And as usual, I saw a number of T-shirts or shirts from Irons Brothers, uh, a company in the Seattle area. And uh, they always send people to the show. And I always get to find, uh, meet the new people, but also uh, reacquaint myself with people that I've met before. And later, as I was walking the show floor, Uh, I met one of the team members and she proudly declared that she was one of the lead carpenters for Irons Brothers. And I just, you know, it was just like second nature for me to say, wow, we got to have you on the podcast because uh, as listeners know, uh, we've really been pushing uh, training. We've been pushing getting people into the trades uh, we've been talking to a lot of different people about the labor shortage. And uh, we've had a couple of women on, uh, two production managers. And it has been a, a big, I don't know if it's a dream or just a goal, to have some women on that are actually in the field, bags on, managing the job sites. And uh, we're going we're gonna to have that experience today. So it's just a, a, a lot of a lot of joy, I guess you could say, for me to uh, say we're going to be able to talk with Deja about that today. So let's get started, Steve. Tim, we're going to take a quick break for a message. We'll be right back. I wanted to take a minute to let you know about an event we have coming up in March, the Extreme Business Makeover. It is two days of interactive presentation and hands-on work that helps you prepare your remodeling business for 2020 and beyond. You will walk away with action items, spreadsheets, books, tools, everything you need to go back to your office and get started. The best part is the interaction and networking with remodelers and custom builders facing challenges just like you. We've also just added Bruce Case as a featured speaker, and he's the president of Case Remodeling in Washington, D.C. area, and they've been hugely successful. You'll get to pick his brain and ask him anything that can help you run a strong, successful remodeling company. It's being held March 30th and 31st at the BWI Weston in Baltimore, Maryland. It's a five-minute Uber ride to the hotel from the airport, so it's easy in, easy out. 
For more information and to get registered, you can go to www.extrememakeoverevent.com and we look forward to seeing you there. All right, let's get started. Deja Leger is a lead carpenter slash project manager with Irons Brothers Construction in Shoreline, Washington. She was trained from scratch, but her willingness and ability to learn and grow quickly, she was promoted to lead carpenter within a year. The first project that she led was a major kitchen remodel, and she has continued to lead multiple jobs since then. Her role as the only female lead carpenter in Shoreline is a huge advantage on many levels and points to many reasons why women should be recruited to be bags on, even if it means large investments in training. Welcome to the show, Deja. Thanks. I'm really, really honored to be here. Well, obviously, from the introduction, I'm just beside myself uh, with this opportunity. So uh, you filled a big gap in my life, and I know that means a lot. So. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> so, uh, so to start with, just give us a little bit of an idea of what Irons Brothers does, that just so we get a context for, for what your job is. Sure. Irons Brothers Construction is in Shoreline, Washington. That's just north of Seattle. And we do all remodel. Uh, we're a pretty small family-run crew, uh, family as in the uh, owners, our husband and wife. We're a crew of 11 total. Um, we currently have three lead carpenters slash project managers in the, managers in the field. Uh, so we're, we stay pretty busy. We usually have about two or three projects each going on at once. Okay, so just again, a little bit of definition as a lead carpenter project manager, you're actually managing two or three projects at a time. Correct. Yeah. So okay. I'm I'm doing some of the light framing, the finished work, carpentry, and also managing the subs and the schedule and doing that, like I said, yeah, about two or three jobs at once. Okay. That's really cool. All right. Let's get into what we really want to hear about here. <laughs> so give us a little bit of a snapshot. Tell us, how did you get into carpentry? Was this something you like? you dreamed about doing or it just like uh, you went through trade school or how, how did you end up in this carpentry business? Uh, I, I wish I had gone to trade school. <laughs> I, <laughs> I would have such a better advantage. No, I, um, I was at a ball game one day. Uh, Irons Brothers had sponsored my daughter's softball team and our kids were on the same team. And Melissa Irons looked over my shoulder and saw me just drawing some plans, building plans for a fence I was building. And she goes, have you ever thought about being a carpenter? Because we're hiring. <laughs> I was like, no, I, I honestly have never in my life thought about being a carpenter. Um, and it wasn't that it was an unappealing job. It just literally had never crossed my mind. Um, it's just never something that I thought could be an avenue for me. Um, I just consider myself a very handy person, very DIY, able to do things, but never thought I could make a career out of it. So uh, the timing was right and they hired me on. Wow. And so when you say the timing was right, what enabled that? You were doing something else before that, I'm guessing. I was. But what enabled you to make that shift? Uh, there, Our business that my husband and I had founded was successful enough that I was no longer as needed. Uh, my kids okay. were older. I didn't need to stay at home as much. And Irons Brothers had just gone through some em employment transitions with their staff. So the timing just ended up that they decided to take a chance on me. Okay. So, all right. So you're at a ball game. <laughs> uh, the owner of a company says, Hey, do you want to be a carpenter? And somewhere between that day and the day we have you on the podcast, you've learned a lot. So 
I'm, I'm, ass, I'm, ass, I'm assuming you have. I hope it. so. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so how did you learn the craft? I mean, what, how did, what was the, what was it like hopping in with no real experience and actually learning? What did, what did you do and what did Irons Brothers do to, to make it so within a year you could be a project manager? Yeah, there's been a lot of investment on both of our parts. Um, my coworkers uh, trained me up. I mean, I was dumped in the deep end of a huge, our biggest project to date. It was a full gut and a third story addition. And they just threw me in and said, learn. And they were so patient with me and so um, willing to show me the ropes. Uh, I mean, I had never used a table saw. I had never used an impact driver. Um, it was really starting from scratch. So I would also go home every day. I took notes on what I learned that day. I watched YouTube videos of builders. I read every Tauntaun book I could get my hands on. <laughs> I, I've, I've absolutely just devoted every waking second to training myself, knowing that I had such a learning curve to follow. And the, like I said, uh, Irons Brothers also has um, put me in a couple training programs. They send me to JLC Live, for example. Right. They, you know, they do uh, foster my education and invest in that. And uh, really, my coworkers, the two carpenters who trained me and continue to train me, um, were incredible. Yeah. So, was there anything structured about it, or was it really just like on the job? You got to pick it up and yep. learn, learn what you're doing. Yep. Pick it up and figure it out. <laughs> you know, okay. they show. So, yeah. other than, other than JLC Live, what are some of the, the training avenues that you've been in? Uh, something with master builders there or is it some, some, something else? Um, well, I've done, of course, the OSHA and all the uh-huh. required trainings. Um, I did some uh, asbestos abatement training. Uh, generally anything that I need for a job that comes up, they'll make sure that I attend and get educated on that. Okay. So give us some of the challenges that you faced coming into, and and we can separate it into a couple of categories. One of them would be, coming into the all male dominated world that, that we live in. Mm-hmm. And the other one, the other challenge would be just, you know, starting from scratch uh, <laughs> in a profession that you, you had no background to. So let's start with the male dominated thing uh, first. And then, and maybe there weren't any, maybe Irons Brothers is so, you know, I don't know what you'd call it. Uh, so good that there isn't any <laughs> challenge there. But I'm I'm thinking that trade contractors are predominantly male world. They're they're used to dealing predominantly with men on job sites. Uh, so there's got to be something there. But then then we'll shift over to the other one. Absolutely. Um, the biggest challenge I have as a woman is finding safety equipment that fits me. Like you said, it's <laughs> a man's world, and, and and I'm a small woman. I mean, I'm not you know expecting everything to fit me. I'm five feet tall. But things like fall harnesses or the fall arrest harnesses. Um, I I can't wear them or I wear them improperly because of the chest strap. So things that are made for, for men tend not to fit me, making me have to improvise on job sites or, or buy more expensive equipment. So that's definitely a challenge. Um, walking onto a job site or when trades walk onto my job site and find that, that five foot tall woman over there swinging a hammer is the lead. I think it actually gives me an advantage more than a challenge because it makes people stop and think a little bit more about how to interact with me about the jobs that they're doing, how I view them. 
So if anything, it's, it's an advantage. Um, every now and then I have to remind someone to talk to me and not try to okay. talk to my coworker right. and, and be like, no, 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 direct your questions here. Even if I then have to turn to my coworker and figure it out, you know, I still want yeah. that authority to come to me first. So, yeah. Um, does that, does that kind of get you? Sometimes. I mean, or, okay. Yeah. I, mean, I yeah. was thinking like at a certain point you can kind of turn the other cheek and go, Oh, well, they don't understand. But at a certain point it would feel like it, it kind of would eat at you a little bit. A little bit. Everyone gets a freebie at first, you know, <laughs> but if they keep doing it, then yeah, they'll get a yeah. start talking to. <laughs> okay, good, good. I, yeah. I think that's, that's great. That's great. All right. Other things you started into another, another idea there. Uh, the challenges for in this predominantly male world. Yeah. Uh, I mean, generally it's just a matter of finding things that fit me, um, having to explain my role, it's right. not intuitive for people, you know, and just constantly having to reiterate, yeah, I'm the, I'm the lead carpenter here. I'm the manager here and, and just finding where I fit. Okay. But, um, you know, just me being who I am, it's like I said, it's not hard for me to really fit in with an all male crew because I just stay who I am. I don't have any ego challenges or battles with the other guys. I get to skip a lot of that, which is right. great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So any other challenges, maybe just, just from coming straight in, uh, off of, you know, being a, I think, would you say you were a graphic designer? Is that what you I did was. before? Okay. Yeah. So coming from that into, uh, this other world, any other kinds of things that really aren't related to the male, female side of this, but just, just coming. Cause I think companies would, uh, do well to listen just even if you were a, a, a man, mm-hmm. you know, coming straight out of that, there's got to be some challenges as oh, well. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. I mean, just my my basic inexperience um, is such a challenge. You know, I don't have an intuitive understanding of the construction world or right. an intuitive understanding of carpentry because I didn't grow up with it. And a lot of people have, and that's an advantage. So right. the challenge for me is not only having to fake it till I make it in terms of pretending I know what I'm doing enough that I'm not getting hurt, right. but also just the, the learning curve is very intense. But learning how to work tools, learning how other jobs work, you know, as the project manager, I also have to know how the electricians and the plumbers and the HVAC crew, how right, what they right. need to do. Right. Um, so those kind of like learning curves are pretty intense, but it's worth it. I retain knowledge pretty quickly. And, um, and I do take a lot of self-initiative to train myself as well. And those right. resources are available to me because of my boss as well. Yeah. Just so, just so you know, when I first got into construction, I came out of being a uh, youth pastor and you know what, it was the same thing with me. You know, I, I basically had to fake it till I made it mm-hmm. and I didn't, I didn't <laughs> have a, I didn't have a business behind me to support me, but you're right. It's that self-initiative it's that confidence that says, yeah, I can do this. I'm going to screw up every now and then, but you know what? I'm learning a lot as I go along. So that, uh, you Absolutely. know, we're in this together, Steve. And I- yeah. So Deja, you were sketching out the fence that you were going to draw. Was that just things you'd like to fix up around the house? Just kind of, you were handy. Yep. Kinda I like always that. liked to work with wood. Yep. Um, I did a lot of 
log splitting and wood stacking. I did a lot of home repair projects. I did a lot of DIY stuff. I built my own furniture, kind of things like that. But yeah. nothing that prepared me to be an actual carpenter yeah. and, <laughs> and to actually work in the field. Yeah. And so, you know, you've shown a lot of passion and, and kind of love for it right away. But, you know, when you first start, and I'm the same as the we're all three the same. I was in college and came out and went into construction. My father's a financial planner. There's been no construction before. So same thing, big learning curve, learning on the job. Um, but that first day that you have to bring wet two by tens from the front yard to the backyard, <laughs> you ever okay. have any thought that, hey, but it's, you know, what was it that just drew you to continue to want to learn? And even after those long days of where the body's tired and, you know, what was it that you really clicked with you in terms of uh, the carpentry? Well, there is such a, a satisfaction in seeing something get constructed. You know, when yeah. I learned trim carpentry, it was so frustrating trying to get these corners right. But when it happened, I was like, oh, I want to do that again. I want to <laughs> do it better. Um, yeah. And actually, I like being physical. One of the reasons I was ready to leave my job as a graphic designer is I didn't like sitting anymore. Mm-hmm. So the, the hauling of beams and timber is part of the appeal of the job for me. Yeah. Um, and I don't have that much longer to do it. Probably I'm like almost 40, but it's still great for me to be outside and working outside. I wouldn't trade it for anything. Okay. So we, we titled this segment, uh, leadership, right. And, uh, and so I'm just wondering, uh, what does that mean for you? Leadership on site and maybe a little bit of how's it different for a woman to be a leader on a job site versus just being there to work? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a it's a great subject because I think leadership does look different for me as a, as a woman carpenter and project manager on site because in a lot of ways I can translate um, between homeowners a little bit easier, you know, generally speaking. It's right. a woman leading the remodel process and I'm able to connect with that woman a lot easier and differently than the men do. So I'm able to kind of lead her in a different direction than someone who's just telling her this is the way it is. Um, I can explain things better. I can lead um, the clients in a much more uh, versatile and easygoing remodel process. I can also lead the trades a little bit better because I am something so new. You know, when someone comes on the site and they're like kind of jolted out of their complacency, I get to create immediate new fresh relationships with all of the trades that are very memorable because I am unique. Um, and same with vendors, you know, people are a lot more willing to kind of come to the table and, and work on my job site differently because I come from a different position of leadership. Oh yeah. It's really, really, really cool. I was wondering too, do you have a little more empathy with the designers, like the people within your company? It isn't quite so much, uh, not just because you're a woman, but because you came from that background. Absolutely. It's not so much like, how come they can never get this right? <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it definitely has lent itself to a much smoother transition between design and sales to the field yeah. on a lot of levels. Oh, that's really cool. So that would be like an, an ancillary benefit. We got, we got a great carpenter, great project <laughs> manager, but now we have somebody who can translate between absolutely the design staff and the, and the production staff. Exactly. And actually, one of the things that benefited having an artistic background was the ability to look at plans and really not need to have them explained to me that much. Right. You know, I, I can look at them and go, oh, yeah, of course. And visually, that makes sense to me. Um, yeah. 
So that's definitely a, a side advantage as well. Oh, that's really cool. So I mentioned in the intro that we've, Steve and I have spent quite a bit of time on this podcast talking about getting people into the trades and, and really not limiting. And I think us guys, we have a very limited view of who can be a carpenter. And I, you know, mm-hmm. it's, and it's not because I'm 62 years old. It's just because we have a limited view. And so how do you wake us up? What, what would you recommend to companies to kind of get us out of this, you know, like, Hey, I'm looking for a guy. I mean, we always say that I'm looking for a guy that can do this or whatever. It's sort of our mentality. How, how would you recommend, what would you recommend to companies to recruit more women onto their teams uh, and, and I don't know, enjoy the benefits? Definitely. Uh, one of the things that the labor shortage has done for me as a woman is leveled the playing field. I mean, if there's not a bunch of people coming out of trade schools that who are already pre-trained and ready to go, then that means people who have traditionally not been involved in the labor force, like women, um, right. have more equal opportunity to sit in front of a boss and say, hire me. Um, I, so I think in part, it's active advocacy on the part of other men and women already in the trades to look at people like me who might not be traditionally targeted or recruited to be carpenters and say, Hey, you should try being a carpenter. Um, And then having bosses, employers give equal opportunities to those women who do show up and say, I'd love to try this. I mean, if you're going to have to invest uh, the same amount of training into a man as a woman, then, you know, honestly, as a woman, I have a, a lot of advantage in this field, both in terms of communications and empathy and work, uh, I, for detail, I'm a lot gentler on tools. I'm a lot <laughs> gentler on, uh, <laughs> I'm a lot nicer to people's things. Um, there, there's yeah. a lot of things that actually women are ideally suited for this trade. Um, okay. Physical strength is obviously a huge thing that a lot of employers are worried about. And that's true. I am physically not as strong as my male counterparts, but I use tools. I use leverage. I ask for help. There's ways to get over the things that initially would would seem like a perceived risk for an employer when hiring right. a woman carpenter. Yeah, probably us guys shouldn't be lifting all the things we lift anyway. You know, <laughs> probably I mean, not. <laughs> from a from a safety standpoint, we probably should be taking it a little bit easier. So one of the things that you've kind of come back to a couple of times in this discussion was your motivation to learn. And I'm kind of curious how how would a an employer find out in interviewing somebody if they're that type of a person. I know this is sort of way off the the original path path we were going on, but it just kind of came to my mind that there's a couple of things going on here. Uh, you were invited to come in. Mm-hmm. Uh, you learn quickly. Do you do you have a college education? I do. I'm a college okay. graduate. Okay, so you do you are educated or you you do know how to learn. I think that's mm-hmm. something I've tried to get across to people. But do you have any kind of thoughts about like if I was trying to hire somebody, how would I find out if they are self-motivated to learn? You know, one of the things is I took a carpentry test 
as part of my examination process. And I knew I failed it. I knew I did horribly on it. Okay. And so I wrote at the end, I said, I don't know the answers to these questions. Can I take this test home and study it? And I think that was, you know, it wasn't meant to happen that way, but things like that where my employer could look at that and say, okay, she wants to learn. Someone who wants to take, who knows that they didn't do well, but wants to take this home and do better next time and learn and study, that would be a good sign that someone's willing to learn and take on that motivation. Yeah, that I remember uh, talking with a uh, project manager in the Bay Area who had the same kind, not exactly the same, but he really young. He goes in, he interviews for the job, and they 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 asked him like, "What do you want to? You know, what are your goals?" And he said, "I want to be a project manager. I know nothing." You know, <laughs> he didn't didn't really say that, but he's but it, but. It, he made it known, and a lot of people say that, but there's a difference between saying it really, and really uh, believing it and feeling Absolutely. it. So, Absolutely. That's, that is so cool. So what, I mean, we're going to wrap this thing up here. Um, I think in our initial conversations, you, you mentioned something about uh, the fact that we don't see images of women in carpentry very much out there in the world. I'm just wondering, like, uh, how can we change that? What do you, do you have any thoughts about how businesses out there can, can change that look? Absolutely. And I've luckily my company has also invested in some of this, um, going to schools, for instance, they've taken me before and let me talk about my experience as a carpenter and let me actively look at other women in the room and, or girls, you know, and be like, Hey, yeah. this is a great career. I make a lot of money doing this. Like <laughs> you can do this, you know? And I, um, and that's huge. You know, I, I won't pretend that that's not a big part of being able to be in the trades is there's a lot of room for growth and, and to make good money. Um, yeah. so offering those solutions to, to women and to girls, um, representation, I think is growing with things like the DIY channel and HGTV right. channels and stuff. It is growing. Um, right. But, but, the, but there is something different. There's a difference between what you do oh, yeah. and what the host of a D, DIY show Absolutely. does. Even, even if they, even if they have a tool belt on, that's, <laughs> that's different. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. We can all look at that tool belt and go, eh, really? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's, that's the men uh, and women. So, Tim. <laughs> On those shows. I think that's both. It's men and women <laughs> in terms of, yeah. Okay. So as we wrap this up, Deja, thank you very much. What, any, any last minute advice you'd give to contractors or to women uh, out there that are, that might tune into this show for some reason that are thinking about the trades? I think you made a great point about uh, income. I mean, it is hard work, but I, I know from my own research that that lead carpenters, foremen, have the opportunity in many cases to make two or three, not three times, but two times the amount of money that a four or six year college graduate without all the debt that goes in with that. Mm -hmm. And so along with the money, but uh, any, any last minute things you can leave us with that might, might spice this up a little bit. I think the biggest takeaway I'd like for the audience to know is just to advocate, uh, uh, I'm sorry, to advocate actively for women yeah. to be in the trades. Um, recruit people who you don't think would be a natural fit. Uh, recruit people, just just tell women that they can be carpenters. Right. That's it. Just tell people that's an option and yeah, then advocate and, for them. Yeah, and I uh, we did a show of, of, a few episodes back about 
uh, just taking advantage of every opportunity. And I had mentioned, maybe it was on the show, maybe it was in a seminar about uh, somebody I heard that they, they asked their barista if they wanted to be a carpenter because <laughs> they just felt like yeah. this, this was a great person that they wanted to have. And to not, and I think that's one of the great things that Irons Brothers has done is they've gone out of the comfort zone and mm-hmm. said, "Hey, don't you want to be part of this?" And I think, uh, I think that's something that every company ought to be doing more of is just searching out people, uh, recruiting people for, for the for the job. So, absolutely. Well, great. Thank you so much for taking a little bit of time out of your day. Are your are your jobs running okay during this half hour that we're on the on the phone? <laughs> They're good. They're good. <laughs> okay, terrific. Well, that means you're a good thanks. project manager then. <laughs> Appreciate thank, it. Deja, thank thanks you so, so much. much. This is thanks awesome. For having thank me you. On. No problem. All right, Tim. That was awesome. Deja is really impressive from start to finish. That was a really, really awesome episode. It sounds like there's a combination of a couple of things going on here. Really good company who uh, is willing to invest in people, uh, allow them to learn, but then a really good person who has said, you know what? I like this opportunity. I'm going to learn, you know, all the different things that she mentioned, YouTube, books, everything else. She said, I'm going to learn these things. Obviously, an ability to learn and retain information. You know, she's smart. Uh, but just uh, the combination of the two really makes for a good platform for this type of thing to really succeed. And you asked a fantastic question about uh, how could we spot people that have that willingness to learn, that urge to be yeah. better. And that's inspirational to everyone in the, you know, because if they see that, um, she or anyone who's new to the trades is making repeat mistakes. It means that they're not wanting to be better, but she's going home learning, coming back. And even as you know, it's, it's to take note that uh, an employee, a new employee says, Hey, can I have that test? I want to take it and learn from it and I'll take it again and do better. That's those are signs. Yeah, definitely. And, and this is the second time we've heard about how, Basically, our industry is focused around men and the body type of men and safety equipment as well as other equipment. And just uh, it just seems like somebody's got to get on the ball and figure out how do we create tools and equipment that are uh, comfortable and easy to use for women so that there isn't that barrier because you can you can kind of foresee i could foresee a really really good woman coming into this business trying to put on a safety harness and going like there ain't no way this isn't worth it yeah not and, at all and leaving yeah. versus yeah having the right equipment and therefore saying yeah this is a business that i could really get involved in yeah well, that was awesome. And really, we want to thank Deja Leger for joining us again today. And we want to thank you for listening to another episode of The Tim Fowler Show. And remember, at The Tim Fowler Show, we are working hard to eliminate it is what it is from your vocabulary. This has been another episode of The Tim Fowler Show. Want to hire Tim and fast track your growth? Visit remodelersadvantage.com consulting to learn more. And if you'd like more information about Roundtables, our world-class peer advisory program, 
please send me an email at steve at remodelersadvantage.com. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to the show and comment on iTunes. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.